for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Darren Michael Boyd. How's it going today, Darren? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I, we were talking before we jumped on here about all the crazy winter weather we were supposed to have and how you got it, everything you thought you, were, you got all the snow and then everything I was supposed to get just kind of didn't appear which i'm not complaining about but that's just because central texas is not prepared for massive amounts of snow yeah well i am in ontario canada so we're we got the snow but it's barely worth even trying to shovel it's not even yeah (laughs) it's not much of it yeah that and you're at least prepared for the snow like yeah yeah you can prepare the streets you know all that flood stuff whereas waco there's no such thing Um, (laughs) in theory of course yeah yeah Yeah. excellent absolutely but um first off i want to thank you so much for giving us the chance to sit down and chat a little bit uh but before we kind of jump into everything your new album uh you know all that fun stuff what's your background what got you into music uh I think like a lot of people, I just, um, I, I think it was like early Kiss and Alice Cooper and Queen and those types of iconic artists. When I mean, I was just like literally a little kid went from like the uh, little Disney records or whatever, you know, kids listen to um, directly to that. You know, those were my superheroes, not just music, but, you know, posters of Alice Cooper on the wall and then my parents were like what are you doing but that um that that just got me into it and it was more than just uh listening I I had to be a part of it somehow and so yeah they just set me on that journey I started taking drum lessons when I was about eight for a few years and then eventually switched to guitar yeah and yeah that's what I've been doing ever since really just playing music yeah what was it about the drums that spoke to you that that was the first thing you wanted to Uh, try i'm not honestly i'm not sure i wanted to write songs like Mm -hmm. that was my main thing right from the beginning i just wanted to again have some part of that creativity and i remember really how the drum thing started was me bashing on pots and pans uh out in the yard these old ones that were left behind this little barn that we, we bought this house close to Toronto. Um, and again, I was eight years old. So I'm just bashing on these pots and pans. And my, <laughs> my dad sees that and he's like, okay, if you're going to do this, we may as well do it right. And then he brought me to get drum lessons. And that's really how that started. And sure. by the time I, I was, uh, I think it was about 16, 15 or 16, my brother was playing guitar my older brother and I was always sneaking in and grabbing his guitar and trying to figure it out on my own. Um, and then 
Yeah, I think it was when I started jamming with other musicians and I was playing drums. And every time I heard a guitar player play something, I'd be in my head going, ah, that's not how I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a total guitar player trait. So yeah. that that was that was it. I and I saw Motley Crue came out and I saw Mick Mars with that warlock, and I'm like, that's it. That's yeah. I gotta do that. So uh, drums and guitar, those are your two main instruments you play or do you still do you not play drums as much anymore? Uh, Not as much. Um, I I play bass, too. And and on my my solo albums, I play everything, every every note, every weird noise. It's all from me somehow. So, yeah, or at least the, the, the latest one. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So um, for your solo project, you just released a new or you released an album back in October, right? As, yeah, like right around Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Wonders of the Invisible World, which it's an instrumental album, correct? Yeah, that's it. Pretty cool uh, artwork to it. <laughs> yeah. Have you? I, well, we'll get into this in a second, but uh, <laughs> what's kind of the uh, story? Uh, behind the album uh i don't know i'm trying to think of where to even start on that uh the first one which is this i'll just show you that real quickly called lifting the curse Mm -hmm. that came to be um after i had a car accident and so i was really active with a couple of like hard rock bands Mm -hmm. and and, uh, at the time it kind of this slowed me down I couldn't do anything for a few years really um so it changed everything and so I was spending a lot of time kind of like we are right now with the pandemic kind of on pause like not uncertain of the future uh but I still had this non-negotiable need to create I still wanted to write songs and I was just putting stuff together that didn't fit with anything else anyway a little bit quirky and so that's how that one came to be I got a lot of great response from the first one. I really enjoyed it. And so I just made a second one. And um, who would have known that I would have been doing that during, <laughs> during a pandemic. Yeah. But that's, that's how I did that. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I put the, the thought into it that everything was just going to be, you know, 10% better. That yeah. was my goal. Just keep yeah. getting everything better. Yep. Um, for, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say for the solo album, uh, since it is an instrumental, how do you kind of, what's kind of the creative process behind that? Uh, like like writing, you mean? Like how yeah, I like, put songs? It's kind of the process, process of writing for an instrumental album and how does it differ from like a non, like I guess you'd call it a traditional yeah. album or a non-instrumental <laughs> album. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because I've been writing songs with lyrics and all that for my whole life. So mm-hmm. this was just uh, the same, very similar approach. I mean, none of these songs are, I don't think even exceed three or maybe four minutes. I mean, they're all like pop songs, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're structured pretty much the same way where you can kind of tell where there's a chorus and a bridge and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um there's a little more freedom though to be a little bit weird whenever I want to but I'm still not trying to be you know uh rush or something I'm not trying to be progressive like there's not 11 minute songs that go in all kinds of weird directions um yeah so it's pretty straight ahead uh, rock music 
Yeah, and when I'm working on anything, I, this is why I was talking to somebody the other day about this on guitar, why I'm not a very good, I'm not great at improvising. Like some people can just jump in and go. But in, my entire life has been, I mean, when you think of the people, the, the musicians that I idolized as a kid, uh, like Queen and all that, the, there was, uh, they're very the theatrical. So there's mm -hmm. a structured show. And even in my early bands, we all like, it was like, here's the solo, there's the song, there's these, you know, everything was a structured show. And so there wasn't a lot of room for that. And even today, when I pick up my guitar and I start to try to learn something, mm -hmm. I get inspired. And next thing I know, I'm trying to write something and I'm like pressing record on my phone just to get an, so I'm kind of trading that skill for the other skill, I suppose. Yeah, gotcha. Um, is, was there ever been a thought about possibly turning your instrumental project into and adding like lyrics or anything, or is that just not what it's about? Um, well, this particular project, I mean, it, somewhere along the, the way, became a legitimate project where okay. people actually care, care enough to <laughs> to buy it and to talk about it and yeah. stuff. Um, but doesn't mean I don't want to return to that. I mean, I still. Um, you know, I still play with Famous Underground out of Toronto. I, th I think that's backwards, but it says Famous Underground. Nope. It, um, it oh, oh. At least it reads right to me. It may not okay, I'm looking at it for me. <laughs> um, and Creeping Beauty is my other band, and mm -hmm. we do a lot more acoustic stuff right now, but yep. I, I still, we still write songs. I still do that. Gotcha. Um, and so I am, I'm open to... Sorry, go, go. I was going to say, so basically your solo project is kind of your creative outlet like 100% your creative outlet yeah yeah that's exactly it and um it, it is kind of interesting it's nice to step away from uh lyrics and it's very efficient because I'm doing it all myself efficient in some ways and not in others I mean you have to consider that um you know any cost involved is all yeah. coming from me uh, all of the work is for me so if I'm uh if I have to do anything, it takes that much longer, but it's efficient in the sense that I don't have to wait for anybody else. I don't have to make the phone calls. And, and during a pandemic, that was also kind of helpful too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, you know what? I would, I would do 10 of these. I, I, if I could, if nothing else ever happens, it mm -hmm. would be really cool if this led me to something else. Mm -hmm. But if not, then you know i'll keep doing this and keep trying to get better at it and yeah absolutely you know, building a fan base and but it is weird because I, I mean aside from what we're going through now i would still love to take this on the road i'd still love to do live performances but it's kind of kind of hard because <laughs> yeah. i don't know where it fits you know doing this i don't know what audience well, you'd have to figure out because you said it's primarily a hundred percent you doing all the instrumentation you yeah. either have to figure out a backing band or a oh, way yeah. for you to do it yourself as like, yeah. like whether it's with a loop pedal and or a, a cpu okay. or you know like whatever yeah. it is an mpc yeah. um you know like whatever it is it you know you just got to try and figure out the logistics behind that and then like you also yeah. said where does it fit like yeah it, is it yeah it does yeah, it work I, a coffee shop or does it does it have to be <laughs> stages because it is kind of heavier stuff so i don't you know but. yeah well and also even just like let's say i i 
uh, I would definitely want a band. I've done this with one show actually that we did before the first album came out. I, I was asked to do a show and did one show with some buddies. And um, but as far as what, like, let's say I went on a tour with another band, how who would even? I mean, I have ideas, but you know what you feel as a fan of music might not be the, the smart business decision as to you know getting yourself in front of the right people right yeah. audience you know but sometimes i mean throughout the years we've all heard of some really weird pairings of bands that somehow worked so yeah, yeah i got gotcha. you um so uh, you brought up the artwork yeah. for your album uh what's or did you design that yourself or no, no, Julie Hunter graphic designs uh, is just phenomenal. She did both um, the layouts of both uh, of the CDs and she did this one. And it's really cool because it's it's colorful and has uh, some really neat imagery on there. And um, and that's kind of what we, when we talked about this, that was the, the thought is CDs right now are basically merch, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people yeah. don't need this. Yeah. And, but uh, as I guess just an old school type of person, I like to have the mm -hmm. CD. I like to have the product. And I'm not alone because people are still buying vinyl, yeah. probably more than ever. They're buying vinyl because for that same reason. And it's not just nostalgia. I mean, kids are buying vinyl. Yeah. Um, so to me, I, we wanted to make this something that when somebody gets it, they're going to like, had that feeling again of like looking at the artwork and looking at the layout and the colors and everything. So we wanted to make it something that people would be proud to have and to get. And by the way, this is kind of important right now, the CD itself on my website, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, but you can get it for free. So if you go to darrenboyd.com, you can get that CD for free minus the shipping. Yeah. But you know, I just want people to actually have it. Yeah. And I'm also doing this postcard too. It was like this, I feel like I'm on the Home Shopping Network or something. But you can't really see it too well, but it's got the artwork. Yeah, and the that. backside you can see better because the, the blues made it nice and pop nice. Oh, yeah. So so you get, anyway, you get a, this postcard. You can get that for free too if you want. So awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. Have and then you, if you're there and you want to buy something that isn't so free, that's cool too. <laughs> you, said, you said the buzzword though. You brought up vinyl. Have you given any thought to pressing it on vinyl or? I have, I've considered it. Um, the only thing is it is really expensive, mm -hmm. um, expensive to make, expensive to sell. Yeah. And if, if, I think if I were doing live shows that might help because you know, like any, it's again, kind of like merch. Um, yeah. If you have something that's expensive to make, expensive to sell and expensive to ship, yeah, that's a, a little bit trickier and um, the other thing is, and I'm not a, an expert, so maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems to me that people who buy vinyl buy, the, buy it either because they're a real diehard fan of that particular artist or they're buying, you know, retro sort of uh, nostalgia vinyl. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I'm still kind of building an audience and I'm not sure that it's worthwhile I, I just have this envision of like having a box of records sitting there and so someday i want to do it for sure but it's also everything is recorded digitally so 
some people there are the purists that go, well, you're just taking digital and putting it on yeah. vinyl, but well, that's, al- done. that's always been the conversation. Cause we do like a lot of uh, live acoustic sets. And one of the things we've always wanted to do was like one of those old school, a side, B side vinyls, single, like the singles, but a, like an A-side oh, yeah, yeah. thing. And the thing always are one of the, not really a deterrent, but we used it as a deterrent for a long time was that we were going to have to mix a digital version and then we we're going to have to remix it for analog and my engineer was just like unless we know people are actually going to buy it and put money behind this do we really want to do this and so it was like yeah fair enough fair enough so yeah it, it there's a i mean i guess it's like any any business there's there's a certain risk involved in it but the music business is not like any other business yeah. <laughs> anyway so <laughs> absolutely yeah. you know if for me though like go, when i go to a show if they have like a really cool vinyl like just the artwork pops and it looks awesome that's probably why the reason i'm gonna buy it just because yeah. it looks cool <clears throat> Even if I have no real intentions of playing the vinyl, because I can, like everybody else, I get it right here, but the vinyl just yeah. looks cool. I can frame it. I can, you know, do whatever I want. And if I'm got my record player out and we're just doing the old school thing of playing the records, then I have it. But, you know, it's more of a piece of art for me. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that's it. I, I get to that point of like, do I really just want to keep piling CDs into the yeah. <laughs> into the house? But I, uh, you know, I still, uh, you know, I, maybe I'll catch up someday. I still, I do use streaming services, but not not a lot because I tend to listen to music when I'm in the car and when I'm mm-hmm. going somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, that's otherwise so I'm watching. Yeah, I I don't know streaming if. Too. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's pretty much the same in Canada, but radio, like for, I, I don't know why there's this hard focus on streaming service because radio per play, like per play, you get better royalties. Like just, if, if we're looking at per play, you get, you get a bigger chunk of the pie. And it's like, I don't know why bands and with all these radio stations that are around, like you can go from city to city, you know, just like all these different radio stations. It's like, why aren't you hitting up these stations? They're all looking for music. Like they all have a, hey, we want to hear your music, submit it here type thing. Unless it's like a top 40 station, then they probably don't want to hear it. But, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Is that that still? The right one. Yeah. Is that still, uh, is that a focus for you is trying to get radio play or is that not really? Um, there's, you know, it's, it's kind of, and I think this is the problem nowadays is that it's scattered all over. Yeah. And when it comes to things like, like play, um, playlists on, on Spotify and streaming services and uh, one of the differences that people don't consider again when you like i sound like an old person here but back in the record store days you'd walk into a store and then you'd see that cover like you were talking about Mm -hmm. uh, of a band that maybe you're in there to buy one cd or one 
record, whatever. And then you see another one, you go, oh, that's cool. And I've only got this much money, but I'm going to get these two. Um, whereas, and, you know, maybe the next week or next month, you know, payday, you go and get another one. Yeah. Uh, the I guess where I'm going with this is streaming. It's, it's like you have a, um, there, there is a competition there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you can all people can only listen to one thing at a time mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. So if somebody buys an album and they never even listen to it once, you still got their money because yeah. they bought the album. Now people have to stream their music and yeah. they can only stream so many of them. So they're not going to look and go, oh, I'm going to stream this because I like the cover. It just, yeah. it's, you know, doesn't quite happen that way. So it's, I know it's a little bit confusing, but you know. Yeah. The whole it, thing. It, <laughs> it's gotten crazy. It, it, it's one of those uh, six of one, half dozen of the other type deals because it's like if you go on radio, yeah, you you're like per play, you're getting paid better. But if you go to if you focus on streaming and you get like a million people at once listening, you're obviously going to get paid better. But if like you had brought up about going to the store and buying records, you know, so it's just kind of like, well, yeah. we're, 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 and that's just not, <laughs> yeah. But I have been, yeah, the, the records aren't going to happen the same. <laughs> yeah. I have been oh, sorry, trying to okay. formulate an idea though, or a theory about how you can use all of it to make your, make a living in the music business as far as, using streaming service to promote the album, using radio to promote the album, and just kind of use both, instead of putting the entire album out on streaming services or radio, when I mean radio proved this back in the 80s and 90s, where it's like, you don't play the full album, you just play one or two singles on the radio and then promote to the album, you know? So I don't see yeah. why you couldn't do the same thing on like streaming services, you know? Yeah, that's true. And and it's funny because, <clears throat> excuse me, I've had, I mean, you hear it all the time, people saying the album is dead. There's no reason to make an album. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, the numbers overall seem to be supporting that. Mm -hmm. My own personal experience is that I've, I have released digital singles mm -hmm. and maybe I have, it's, haven't done it properly, like really promoting it or whatever. But I uh, literally made enough money off of the singles to pay for the tax of the mastering. <laughs> like yeah. nothing. It's like not even worth doing. Whereas the albums, um, they do move. They do, people do buy the whole albums. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the my own enthusiasm towards it. I, it just feels like you don't have to do an album now, but yeah. if you want to, you're the artist. Why wouldn't you do whatever you want? You could, yeah. you can put 20 songs on it. There's no restriction. You could put one and just do singles. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's kind of my thought on that. Um, it's, it's definitely a whole lot of, again, scattered stuff. Here, here's a good fact that, mm -hmm. that is kind of depressing too, is that, um, through SoCan here, which is like what they're kind of just how they distribute your your money from royalties. And yeah. um, I got uh, for, you know, the Facebook and Instagram stories, you know, the yeah. little reels that run the little, yeah. or not real stories. 
Um, so for those, for people using my music in those stories, I think TikTok too, I think it was three months I made, what was it? $2 and 48 cents or something oh, wow. like that. So why would, yeah. So, you know, uh, now I've had more success uh, with just actual streams, but it is, they just pay out with such a tiny yeah. amount. And that's why I said, it's not like any other business uh, and, and not to gripe about them. I mean, it is kind of nice to have the, the ability to yeah. make a source of income from things like that. Yeah. But at the same time, these, they are the, the new gatekeepers, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's always kind of, it's always kind of funny when you get that, like, I mean, as depressing as it is that you got paid that little, it's always kind of funny when you get a check and it's for like 87 cents. Did I lose you? Uh, it's really okay. Slow. Right. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, there. I think it's getting okay. Okay, I, I uh, saw better. an alert come up on my computer. Slow down for a second. Internet was uh, unstable, and I'm like, no, oh, dang you. Uh, but no, what I was saying was, it's always kind of funny when, as depressing as it is that musicians get paid that little, but it's always kind of funny when you get that check that says you get 87 cents for this but then you think about how many streams you actually had to get to get that 87 cents yeah, yeah. so it is it's uh it is kind of it's funny but depressing at the same time yeah. but when you consider here's another thing when you think about playing live music um uh, just like say a cover band mm -hmm. uh i play cover songs in a cover band once in a while and you know make some cash or whatever have some fun but when you consider that the the pay is about a hundred dollars a person for a night which basically takes you about eight hours you're working after hours i mean if you were a plumber you'd be getting paid a lot more extra yeah. you know yeah. um you know after hour work but aside from that uh as i mean i don't remember it ever being less so despite you know, everything else going up, the price that you get paid as a musician has been the same as long as I've been a musician. Yeah. So that's never gone up. Yeah. Uh, the price of the drinks in the bar are going up, right? So the, I don't know. Uh, we don't match the inflation and probably never have or ever will. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. But you'd, all, you'd brought this up a little bit earlier. Uh, outside of your solo project, you work or you play with a couple of other um uh, uh other bands uh who are some of the other bands that you work with and uh how, how long um, have you been playing with them uh famous underground out of toronto that um he's i was just talking to to nick walsh the singer it's his band and yeah. we we were just talking a few weeks ago and i think it's like 10 years 10 that oh, we wow. were yeah i know we were kind of like how did that happen <laughs> 10 yeah. years got went by um uh, Creeping Beauty is cl pretty close to the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, again, everything just kind of crashed out for three years. Uh, no pun intended after my car accident. So, yeah. um, And then with Creeping Beauty, I switched to doing acoustic gigs, which is me and my singer. We've been doing kind of a, a duo. And 
that's just because it got it was easier to carry an acoustic guitar uh, than a bunch of you know heavier yeah, gear and so yeah so it was a way to keep playing and that's what we did and you know i i would love to get that you know happening again uh on a larger scale but you know right now it's everything is kind of on hold we'll see what happens yeah i got you uh yeah. what's been what's been the hardest part about for you as a musician during the uh during this pandemic what's been the hardest part for you well i think i think it's the uncertainty really mm-hmm. it's the fact that um you know i can i can create and make music um i make music videos you know and i'm just doing everything myself and again, just for the sake of efficiency. Uh, but then I look at it going, what's the, you know, most of this is a means to an end, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that cycle you're used to, go, you know, getting ready to play live and, you know, I, you just don't know when that's going to happen. Um, and so that that's the difficult part is just, you know, maintaining a, a sense of being positive and, and optimistic uh, you know in in this just don't know what's going to happen or when so yeah i got you i got you um and then as far as kind of moving forward are you where are you kind of at creatively are you working are you i mean obviously during the pandemic everybody's always kind of just continually writing but uh where are you kind of at creatively right now um, well i'm still working on uh like more instrumental music. Like I, I, I'm constantly writing. I, I have started actually demoing some stuff, mm-hmm. which could take a total like, you know, 90 degree turn at any point. Uh, <laughs> that always happens. But yeah. I've started, started because I wanted, I, I'm hoping that if I do another one or when next one comes out, that it'll be a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And it seems like each year I'm just, making it a bit sooner and that's what i'm trying to do gotcha. um yeah so it'd, it'd be nice to have it actually released in september this year or the beginning of october yeah gotcha. so the, that's kind of the plan is to release an album a year with the at least as far yeah. as the solo project yeah, it'd be, it would be nice to do even more but again when you're doing everything yourself and you and you know i have a, a other things going on as well so mm-hmm. um it's not a matter of it being on the back burner it's just a has to fit in with everything else yeah uh, just like life in general and uh so i mean there is the thought that i could do singles or i could do eps or things like that but i'd rather just make it the best that i can and here's a representation of the year kind of thing Um, i have some ideas for for even uh for singles that and covers and some things that i would like to like really bizarre eclectic things that just probably won't fit on an album yeah um but again it's just finding the time you know to really you know make sure that it's done right gotcha gotcha and then outside of music what's your thing what's your uh what are some of your hobbies uh well i'm uh a mild-mannered Canadian librarian by day. That's my my job, my other job. And so I love reading and, and all of everything that goes along with that. And uh, so even though it's my job, it's it's like I, I, I would be there anyway. <laughs> so um, what, what else? Um, I have a reptile 
uh, business that has been suffering throughout all this too, because um, normally it's an education-based business where I do shows for you know, birthday parties, summer camps, oh, wow. schools, that kind of thing. And you may or may not know a friend of mine then. Yeah. Uh, Deadly Tarantula Girl. Is that the name of her? Yeah, that, that, well, that's her, that's her name. I don't know what the name of her like actual business is. I just know her as Deadly Tarantula Girl. Oh, <laughs> I have to look that up. I have to check it, check it out. I mean, it's funny how many of us do know each other though. Yeah. Like just through the, you know, it's that community. Yeah. Um, I, I, her real name's Marita. I couldn't tell you what her last name was though. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that. It's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly Tarantula um, Girl. No, you, you brought up reptiles and now a couple, I was looking at the, uh, the, the cover art or the uh, headliner art on your Facebook page and that oh, kind yeah. of explains the uh frog i think that is yeah it's a giant toad yeah the, the, that's funny yeah i i tend to have a toad or, or two or something or snakes and in, in the videos i have a scorpion in one and yeah. um and it, you know because I, same reason i have you know friends who are girls in the videos because nobody wants to watch me for three minutes so yeah. <laughs> i'm like ah i gotta put a snake in there and you know fair so, point yeah, I have the I have the ability to, so why not? Right? right. Yeah. When you have the ability to do cool stuff. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so you're a mild mattered librarian, as you put it, <laughs> and a rocker. Is there any like do you use uh some of the stuff that you read as inspiration for your music or where do you kind of find your inspiration? Yeah, you know, I, th I it's a good question, but I, I really I think there's no way around it. I, mm -hmm. I think um, we just, you can create in a vacuum, but the inspiration comes from, from everywhere, right? You can, you could just sit there and, I don't know, come up with ideas. And I mean, music is really cool. When you think about songwriting, if you, uh, if you said, okay, I want you to write a song that's this, this long, this tempo, this key and is happy and you know, give me some, some parameters. Um, and yeah, of course I, I can do that. You know, that's an assignment I could do it, but this stuff is just pure inspiration comes out of the air, you know? Um, but what's really neat is if you, if you said that to me and 12 other songwriters mm -hmm. gave us all the same parameters, we'd all come back with, with something totally different, but all, you know, fit. So that, that's really amazing. Especially when you consider we have 12 notes to work with, right? It's, yeah. it's, that's uh, music is, is miraculous in that way i think it's yeah it's it's always because you interpret things differently yeah your chord progression is different you know just yeah yeah completely it's, it's your voice you know it really yep. is and and that's what i love about the guitar is that it's it's your your voice and and you could just name off like a hundred different guitar players that you love and they, they all sound different <laughs> they're yeah it's, it's amazing right? yeah Absolutely. And it's not just because of the amp that they're using or the pedals or the guitars or anything. And even if it is, even if part of that, their tone and their um, uniqueness is their gear, that was still their choice to, to express themselves through that gear. So, and, and dialed in the way they do. So it's all very, um, yeah, very individual or unique to the person. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I see my internet starting to glitch out a little bit more. So that means <laughs> you know, crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's early. Yeah, I'm still trying to wake up. I don't even know what to, you must be earlier there, right? Uh, it's nine. It's nine thirty right now. So, wow. Yeah, it's ten. Yeah, I'm an hour ahead, I guess, but gotcha. it's still early. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, if people were to follow you online and uh, listen to your music, where's the uh, best place for them to do that? Um, well, you can if you go to darrenboy.com, you'll sort of see links to everything. I'm on YouTube, obviously, um, and Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I don't spend quite as much time on there, but I do have a Facebook group called Darren Michael Boyd's Little Toads. Mm -hmm. So that's worth checking out, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, if you go to the website, darrenboy.com, and you get that for free. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. It's been an absolute blast sitting here chatting with you. Um, yeah. Before we leave, what's one piece of advice that you have for the young musicians out there? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I have to narrow it down to one. First thing is don't don't be so obsessed with numbers. Like people are buying likes on mm. or, or followers on on uh, Instagram and things like that, and and just spamming people. And they're more concerned about what that number looks like. You know, treat people like people. I would rather have a thousand actual fans than you know twenty thousand that don't care. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my first piece of advice the other thing is you don't need anybody's permission to be creative and make music and don't wait for uh and we're many people i'm guilty of this going oh, if i only had you know a record deal if i only had you know a, a bass player if i had this i think you know, all these things just just do it don't wait for those things like if anything is meant to be it'll happen but just keep keep working yeah Absolutely. and enjoy it <laughs> especially when you're young because you're never going to get that feeling again you get older and when you're young just just enjoy every bit of it yep yeah. absolutely even absolutely. the lugging and the lugging the gear and <laughs> yep uh, yep yeah. i completely get it it's, it's all good it's all good <laughs> but once again i want to thank you so much for joining us thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you guys later Thanks. Bye. all right we're good well done. <laughs>